someone else's journey is our lesson. We used to say, the difficult we do immediately, the impossible just takes a little more time. Someone else's lesson is our gift. I believe part of our responsibility is really to equip and inspire our students to ask those difficult questions. Be encouraged by the stories that lift us all. I came to Howard because I wanted to be the President of the United States. Somebody saw something in me, and it's my duty to be that person for somebody else. Now, join Dr. Wayne Frederick, President of Howard University, and his guest on The Journey. On the world stage, few people have been more outspoken about human rights than my guest today. As an internationally renowned politician, diplomat, public servant, and pastor, he is a role model for a generation of activists and a man who has influenced the arc of history. Hello, I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest on the journey is Elder Statesman Ambassador Andrew Young. Welcome. Thank you very much. I want to start at the very beginning. You were born in New Orleans. Tell me what that was like. You know, it was wonderful. I was born in New Orleans, right downtown, right, right one block off Canal Street. There was an Irish grocery store on one corner, an Italian bar, and the Nazi Party headquarters was on the third corner. My daddy's wow. office, dental office, was in the middle of the block, and we lived behind his dental office. So before I was, by the time I was four years old, I had to deal with white supremacy. And my father, being a Howard University dentist from the class of 1921, <laughs> was well prepared, and he said, um, you know, white supremacy is a sickness, but you don't get angry and sick, uh, angry at sick people. He said, you have to help them. And if you get angry and upset, you can catch their sickness. And he always said, you know, don't get mad, get smart. I never felt that being black made me a victim. And I was four years old when he told me that. So, and so uh, I was prepared, and he was prepared by Howard University uh, to deal with a, a complicated world. Right. And I had to go to a segregated school, the Valina C. Jones School, which they called the Bucket of Blood, uh, because it had a reputation of just being a lot of poor schools with a lot of fighting and things like that and mm -hmm. and so I had to I had to I had to learn to you either run you fight or you negotiate so when people <laughs> say where did you study to be a diplomat I said Valina C. Jones School <laughs> and in my neighborhood in kindergarten <laughs> and that obviously prepared you yeah. very well mm -hmm. for what was your next step when you think of your academic journey what brought you to Howard University my daddy wouldn't let me go anywhere else. If I was going to go, if I was going to leave home, I had to go to Howard. There was no choice, and and I I I had. He actually, I think I came back here with him to his when I was eleven. We drove back to his uh, reunion, and so I'd been on Howard's campus. We lived right across the street from Dillard University, so I spent. I was just 15, so I stayed at Dillard one year and then came to Howard. Uh, but um, it was quite, I, I don't know what, I've been trying to figure it out. What was it about Howard that made it possible for me to be a success? 
see. And, you know, Kasim Reed, now our mayor in Atlanta, Shirley mm-hmm. Franklin, four. We've had five black mayors in Atlanta, and three of them are Howard graduates, <laughs> one from Morehouse, one from Vanderbilt. But there's something you get out of this environment. One, uh, my friends were not just, well, I had friends from Trinidad, from Jamaica, from Bahamas, from Honduras, uh, from Jamaica, I mean, from Nigeria, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, had a few Israeli students here back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was an international environment that, I mean, can you imagine me playing cricket on the Howard lawn. <laughs> Thank you. So, so it sounds uh, like you, you met the world here. I met the world here. And how did that influence your, your next step? Well, what, what? it influenced me because first with Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. uh, almost uh, I went to seminary in Connecticut, and then I went to a little country church in South Georgia, married a girl from Alabama, and I was born in Louisiana. We spent a lot of our time in Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, South Carolina, training people for the civil rights movement. So uh, I think that, uh, I think Howard let me be comfortable with myself. Uh, And while I was here, um, Dr. Charles Drew was killed and I went to his funeral. Uh, One of my best friends was killed in an automobile accident we had a assignment at the Smithsonian. Car ran a red light and killed, hit him, uh, and they drove him all the way back to Freedman's Hospital and past a couple of hospitals. But uh, I was very much aware of the difficulties. I mean, Washington was segregated back then. In the from, I was here forty-eight to fifty-one, and it was still pretty pretty uh, segregated. But the people I met, and it was it was the campus life. Uh, Dave Dinkins was the mm-hmm. the uh, pledge master when I joined the fraternity, and he had been in the Marine Corps, and I was just sixteen, so he uh, decided he was going to make a man out of me. <laughs> uh, and we've been friends. I mean, Dave is is Dave and I are still good buddies. Uh, he tried to keep me from going back to the South. He wanted me to come to New York with him when I graduated, and I said, no, my life is in the South. He said, well, we got you out of the South, and why don't you come on New York where you're free? I said, no, I have to go back and help straighten out the South. Right. Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Journey. My guest today is Ambassador Andrew Young. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. I want to change gears a little bit. You, you briefly mentioned Martin Luther King, and you are one of our nation's treasures who was there close to King um, to the very end. Well, you know, the day that was, the day that I remember as most significant was when we went to the White House after he won the Nobel Prize Mm -hmm. and Lyndon Johnson, the one they made the film Selma about, and he kept, Lyndon Johnson kept saying he wanted voting rights, but he just didn't have the power. And he couldn't go back to Congress to introduce more civil rights legislation. Uh, there was no, wasn't all the security you got there now. So the two of us walked out alone from the White House, and I said, "Well, what do you think?" 
And he said, I think we got to find a way to get the president some power. See? And he was always giving me hell about Morehouse. If I'd gone to Morehouse, I'd be somebody. <laughs> He'd say. And, and I, I said, you know, you, you guys from Morehouse, you, you sure are full of it. You go, here you are, you know, it was short, you know, five foot seven inches tall, 170 pounds, and you going to get the president some power. Right. See? And, and, and then I realized he was serious. Mm-hmm. And when we went back to, to um, Atlanta in two days, Amelia Boynton drove over from Selma and told us what was going on in Selma and asked us to please come and help her in Selma. Well, this was about the 22nd of December. We went to Selma on the 2nd of January. By the end of March, the president was standing up before a joint session of Congress uh, introducing voting rights and uh, saying we shall overcome. Mm-hmm. So those that's what I remember. I remember that we, did, <laughs> we used to say... Uh, the difficult we do immediately, the impossible just takes a little more time. That's and and there, was a, there was a confidence, an attitude, a kind of spirituality. I think, I think um, Howard and the fraternity made me turn to religion, <laughs> to repent of my sins. I, see. And I, I said, if I'm going to be somebody, I got to change my ways. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you went by the time the seventies had come around, and you had a stint in Congress, and then um, named U.S. ambassador to the U.N. by President Carter. What was your view of America at that time? Well, I tell you what, Jimmy Carter grew up in a in a county that was eighty percent black, so he was very comfortable with black people. He he had been discriminated against. Uh, because, well, people made fun of him as a peanut farmer when he was running for president. He was also a nuclear physicist. And Admiral Rickover picked him out of 500 Navy engineers to be his deputy. And I think one of the reasons why he was so aggressive about peace was he knew more about nuclear warfare than any president we've ever had. And he was determined that there'd be no war on his watch. Right. And um, he, um, he aggressively, uh, I, I got involved because he asked me what we should do about Africa. And I said, it's simple. You know, they, one man, one vote, mm-hmm. uh, and access to capital. Free, democracy and free enterprise will solve most of Africa's problems. Right. And he said, do they agree with that? Do they believe that? I said, well, you know, I said, you have to remember, and he knew. I said, most of the African leaders went to schools just like Howard and Morehouse and, and Dillard and, and, and Atlanta University. They fought hair um, in South Africa is where Mandela went to school, where uh, Kaunda and Mugabe, all of them had the same kind of it was a kind of Judeo-Christian religious foundation to the education. Right. It was secular, as Howard is secular, mm-hmm. but our education made us responsible 
for liberating those who were yet in slavery. Just as we close, the first African-American president is nearing the end of his term, and we have a political landscape in which his replacement obviously would not look like him. No, but his replacement, uh, I hope, will think like him, and she may not be as tough as him, but... um, I knew Hillary Clinton since she was a little girl. She, after Martin died, she, uh, Ed Brooke, who's a Howard graduate, was doing her commencement. And he made the mistake in 1969 of getting up, speaking for the war, in favor of the war in Vietnam. She was a valedictory speaker, and she got up and she blasted him and refuted him. So she was sort of known since she was 21. Uh, she joined Marion Edelman with the Children's Defense Fund mm-hmm. when my wife uh, from Alabama was on the board. And say that they worked in Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas uh, in the 70s uh, and 80s, uh, establishing Head Start. So she's got a very, very solid background. But uh, I think that, that the president has done a phenomenal job. I mean, the Affordable Care Act is something that I've tried to do in Congress in 72. Uh, Harry Truman tried it in 48. Um, uh, He did it, see, uh, on his watch. And that is not only health care. That's a big economic boost uh, to the poor. Almost everything he's done and every decision he's made has made America better and it has helped the people on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here. My guest today has been Ambassador Andrew Young, the elder statesman. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey. You've been listening to The Journey with Dr. Wayne Frederick on the Howard University Radio Network. This is Harold Fisher. The Daily Drum is more than news, sports, and weather. It's information, conversation, edification. I talk to the newsmakers and other great guests that make you think you're not just listening, you are part of the process with your phone calls. You can find me on Facebook slash Harold T. Fisher or follow me on Twitter at HFisherWHUR. Join me, Harold Fisher, from 7 to 7.30 p.m. for The Daily Drum on 96.3 WHUR, The Adult Mix.